Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Ellie Flynn. I'm an investigative journalist and I make documentaries for the BBC. Our story today starts back in 2017. Ellie had been working for years in journalism at that point, but always online. TV was new to her. But she'd found herself pitching an idea for a TV series to BBC Three. It would be a series of investigative documentaries that uncovered shocking stories. And there was one story which she immediately knew that she wanted to tell. Months earlier, she'd been working at a tabloid newspaper when she'd spotted a story in the local press. Intrigued, it was an idea that stayed with her. I'm Maeve McLennigan. This is The Tip-Off. I just saw a local news report that said that there were these adverts on Craigslist that were advertising free accommodation in exchange for sexual favours. And I remember thinking... That's really concerning. I wonder if it's happening outside of just this one town. That story had sparked her interest. And so while she was thinking of ideas for the TV show, she found herself digging in a bit deeper, trawling through Craigslist postings for other examples of people offering accommodation in exchange for sexual favours. There were a couple of other websites that we started looking at, but Craigslist pretty quickly established itself as the main place to find these adverts. And I was just searching terms like free accommodation, free room, need somewhere to live, need accommodation. They were never explicit. It was always implied. So it would say things like free accommodation in exchange for favours or free rent for a young woman. And it was things like that that made you think, okay, this is suggesting that there might be something going on here. Every time Ellie found an example of an ad, she made a careful note. I'd screenshot the advert. On Craigslist, you don't get personal email addresses. It would sort of be a via a Craigslist server. So it'd be like a series of numbers and letters. Um, So we'd make a note of all of those, what the advert said, where the advert was. Because what we noticed as well was on Craigslist, you have a sort of 30-day limit of how long your post will stay up, and sometimes people weren't finding anyone. So that same advert would reappear 30 days later. Or sometimes people would just post multiple adverts within that period, I guess, to try and keep it at the top of the listing section. So we would look for keywords or phrases that might suggest that it was the same person, and then we'd sort of group those together. We collated this, this huge spreadsheet that had all these different Craigslist server email addresses and 
where the location was of the accommodation and, and what the advert said. Row by row, the spreadsheet grew. Very soon, Ellie knew this was something that was going on across the country. It was virtually endemic. It seemed to be quite widespread. At the same time, I'd been having meetings with the BBC about making a documentary about a completely different subject. And it was sort of this this thing that I'd have a meeting with this production company in the BBC about every sort of three months that I never, ever thought was going to happen. I never thought I was ever going to get into documentaries. So I kind of just like potted along looking for other jobs and doing my own thing at the same time. And this idea that we'd been working on didn't get commissioned. And I was like, oh, well, I've noticed this thing called Sex for Rent. And I think there's more to look into. You know, there's been a couple of local news reports about how these adverts exist in small pockets, but no one's really done a big investigation into the scale of it and also into whether it's actually happening. I think advertising something is different to knowing that it's something that's actually been followed up on and has actually happened. So so the production company pitched a series of, of undercover ideas called Ellie Undercover and I got a phone call one day saying that it had been commissioned and we and we started looking at it a bit more. So it was on. Ellie was going to make a TV documentary series and this story about homes being offered in exchange for sex was looking like it could be a powerful episode. So what next? Ellie had this list of adverts, but is that enough? She knew she needed to go further. She needed to know these ads were being placed by real people. People who really intended for the deals to go ahead. So the next stage was clear, at least to her. She needed to start getting in touch with the people behind the adverts. But she couldn't do that as a journalist. No. She was going to have to go undercover. But that's not something you jump into quickly. It's so funny because people think that it's just me in a wig and I'm off with a secret camera just sort of on a whim. I think people don't realise the amount of planning and the amount of time it takes to build up to an undercover investigation. And there's a really high bar that you have to meet in order to be able to allow to go undercover. Before the programme even got commissioned, because we knew we wanted to do an undercover investigation, we'd already been working on getting permission to do that from the BBC. And so you have to build up a huge amount of evidence. You know, we, we knew that there were X amount of adverts in X amount of cities, and so that proved that people were advertising it. What we then needed to do as our second stage of evidence was prove that these people weren't just advertising and then not following up on it. We needed to prove that then from that, a conversation was happening. And then in order for us to actually meet anyone and for us to film with anyone undercover, we had to prove that they'd done it before. So those were the three stages that we needed to pass in order to be able to go undercover and film with anyone. To establish whether there was a real need and right to do undercover, Ellie now needed to check whether these ads were actually legitimate. Were the people at the other end real? Were they really looking for sex? There was only one way to find out. I'd email every single advert that we saw and I would respond something that was quite open-ended. My response would be something like, hey, I've just seen your advert. I'm looking for somewhere to live. Can you tell me a bit more about it? And then we'd see what kind of responses we got from there. Ellie needed to be careful with every word she wrote. You can't in any way lead someone or, you know, go on a, we call it a fishing expedition, where you try and lure someone into into responding in a certain way. So 
that's why when when I would reply to someone's advert, I'd say something very open, like, oh, I'm interested in knowing more. What are the details? The responses started coming back. Men offering her a place to stay, but always with strings attached. I'd wait for them to tell me what the details were. And if they said, I'm, you know, I'm looking for an arrangement, I then again have to ask what they mean by that in order so that they would say to me explicitly what it was they were looking for. And then in cases where they'd say, you know, I'm looking for sex twice a week or I'm looking for oral sex or, or anything in particular, I'd then have to speak to them some more and try and establish if they'd had someone to stay before. And to do all this, and indeed to move forward at all, Ellie realised she was going to need to create another persona. A quick Google of her real name would show she was a journalist. We decided to create a character, uh, partly, I suppose, to protect me. I didn't want to use my real name. I wanted to try and mask my identity in some way. You know, a lot of the guys that I was meeting were in London, which is where I live, and I think that everyone just felt a bit more comfortable. They decided to call her Julia, and she'd use that name to get in touch with people. We made her a nursing student. I was 24 at the time, so my age worked fine. We said that she, you know, was just looking for somewhere temporarily because she was running out of money, and she was away from family and friends, didn't have anywhere to stay, and just needed a short-term base in order to get her feet on the ground. So with hundreds of emails sent out, Ellie, posing as Julia, started to get a slew of responses. Soon she was liaising with scores and scores of men. But getting those replies is a weird experience. It's such a strange feeling. and I don't know if people who aren't journalists will even understand it, but it's this kind of satisfaction of just like, oh, okay, I'm not chasing a false leader. Like, this isn't something that I've just made up. There's this real sense of relief and almost excitement in knowing that then you can go further and you can take this on to the next step. So Ellie is getting tons of replies to her emails. It seems men all over the country are offering spare rooms or beds to women in exchange for sex. But what next? More after this. Ellie has been working for weeks, contacting men all over the country, following ads that suggest they have rooms or beds to offer, but with a catch. And things have really ramped up. Ellie has found herself totally immersed. I was working on two undercover investigations at the same time. So I had two, maybe even more, burner phones and my phone. And in the middle of the night, my phone would just be... I'd, I'd get all these messages and I'd remember... Like, you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lying in bed with my boyfriend at the time. And it was sort of flashing up on the ceiling all of these messages, sort of really quite graphic, explicit messages coming through on sort of multiple phones. And I just remember thinking, this is absolutely mad. I think that's another part of, of particularly going undercover, but actually any investigation is it massively takes over your life. There's no time really when you're not thinking about it, or when you're not working on it, and especially when you're managing different phones and accounts and identities. It really seeps into into your everyday life, and it's and it's it's again I, I can't really explain it unless you've experienced it. But that immersion can be almost all consuming. I remember going to the cinema at one point, and I had like six or seven burner phones, and I was uh, you know they said turn your phones off, and I was turning them all off, and you sort of don't really think about it because I was so used to having them on me and checking them all at different times, and you know making a note of what message I got on which one. And I was, I was turning them off and sort of making a note of time code on my, on my own phone. And my friends were looking at me like, what are you doing? This is, this is not a normal job. And I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose you guys don't think it is, but this is just what I do. Ellie was having to try and keep a mental note of who she was when she was answering the phone, who she was when she was replying to emails. You'd have to tweak your story based on where the person in the country was that you were speaking to. So it's like, okay, right, I'm at Manchester University or no, I'm now I'm at, at Leicester University and why am I in Leicester and why have I got a London accent? There's lots to think about. It's a massive task to juggle and things are just about to get even more complicated. It's time to meet up in person. So Ellie, posing as her alter ego, Julia, starts to set up meetings. There's a guy who works at a company that deals almost entirely with secret cameras. He was amazing. I remember we had this meeting and he's bringing out all of these different kind of types of cameras and he's showing you how they work and he's saying, you know, make sure that you don't hunch too much or you don't sit up too straight and you have to think about where their eye line is. And, you know, I was wearing long hair, I wore a long wig as well. And it was, you know, make sure that your wig isn't covering the camera and you get fitted for a shirt. You know, he'll go buy you a shirt from H&M or somewhere and then fit a camera into it. Um, and the whole process of... Even just the preparation before you go undercover is extremely nerve-wracking and there's so much to think about. And I think, you know, that's another thing that people don't think about is that I'm there trying to maintain cover, trying to ask the questions that I need to ask without asking them in an obvious way, and then also trying to film it in a way that means that you can put it on TV and people can see what's going on. And trying to do all three of those things at once while looking like a normal person is incredibly difficult. With all of that in her mind, Ellie sets off. She's going to meet a landlord, and they've agreed to meet in Canary Wharf. There's armed police everywhere, and it's high security, there's cameras everywhere. We were sat in this car, and I was, I was getting my camera ready, and I was turning everything on. And me and my director looked at each other, and we were like, why are we doing this 
in Canary Wharf. And she was like, I, just, I think that we had so much to think about. We didn't really think about the location, but we're here now and you're meeting him. So try and look normal. Sat in the car with her producer, Ellie took a deep breath. This was it. I was setting up my camera and turning it all on. I was, I was going through my character in my head and, you know, I was, I was saying, can you all just call me Julia um, so I can get used to responding to it. I was, I was, like, trying to get into the zone. And there's a part in the film, actually, where I'm sort of sat there and I'm thinking, I go to get out of the car and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not wearing my wig. It's such a, such a weird thing to think about because it doesn't matter, really, if I was wearing the wig or not. But then that kind of small thing can just... It can really feel it's like a huge problem at that time even though there's obviously way bigger things to think about in the grand scheme of things than whether I'm wearing a wig or not. Wig on. Ellie made her way to the cafe where she was meeting the man. I'd always have a producer in the room with me. So we'd go to a public space, we'd go to a cafe or something, and there'd be a producer who was listening on my radio mic while I was having the conversation. We had a plan if anything was to go wrong. You know, you never know exactly what could go wrong, I suppose, until it does, but we just thought if anything became aggressive, especially because I was meeting guys about quite a sensitive subject if anyone would try and touch me or if anything was to happen that made me feel extremely uncomfortable then we had a plan for me to get out of there which I think takes the pressure off a lot because I wasn't ever scared for my own personal safety that allows you to focus a lot more on on what it is you're there for. As she walked into the cafe she blanched. The man she was meant to meet wasn't there so she got a drink and sat down to wait nervous. I was texting him asking where he was sort of gone five, ten minutes and I was worried that he wasn't going to show up and I was texting the group, we had sort of a, a fake name on a WhatsApp group which I could text my um, colleagues on under the guise of being a study group or something and I was texting them saying I'm not sure where he is and I felt a hand on my shoulder and the landlord turned up and he said are you a reporter? I remember sort of almost feeling like I'd froze for about ten minutes but I, you know you watch it back and it was a second and I was like a reporter and then he sat down and was like laughing and said oh I thought a lot of cameras were going to jump out hey how are you I'm so and so and that that first interaction was just so terrifying and the last question that you want to be asked as an undercover reporter I just remember my heart was racing for that whole meeting but it went fine in the end and, and it turns out it was just a joke Trying to settle down, Ellie started to ask the man about what he expected from the arrangement. In the coming weeks, she would meet man after man and have the same conversation. It's a real mix of feelings, actually, and thoughts, but when you're in that situation, I think... When you first get there and you first sit down, you think, okay, right, I I need to make sure that I ask X, Y, Z questions in a natural way because that's what I'm here for. But of course, you you can't dive straight in with really sort of intense questions because then you just seem weird and and then people do get suspicious. You have to try and have a sort of normal conversation first that's a bit chatty. And I think that's almost the difficult nuance of undercover is having a conversation where you seem like a normal person, where, where you are just you and you are just chatting to someone as you would anyone. I think I remember him being incredibly upfront as it was. And, and so he sort of sat down and, you know, he said, oh, well, you know, it's an adult arrangement. And I was like, okay, what is that? Like, what would you want? And I think he said, 
you know, well, I want a blowjob or sex once or twice a week and I have a cabin in my back garden, which you'd live in, you know, and I'd have a key, but you've got your own space. You know, I, I was 24, I'm a woman, and I just remember at that point when you when you hear those things, that then it really, it sort of really grounds you and you think, that is why I'm here. This could be me in this situation, you know. Any of us could end up in a place where we need help or where we're desperate, and to have someone sit across from you and tell you, so brazenly that that's the way that you're going to get a roof over your head. It's quite hard to hear and and it's really quite shocking. It's a strange mix of thinking, okay, I've I've got what I need, but also I feel incredibly sad about it. Hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, good. Honestly, I'm a nice man. I'm really, you know, I can't sort of explain it. Yeah. So you had, do you have someone stay before? Yeah, I've had... Girls stay before. Sometimes it's worked out really good. So that girl, the girl stayed. She, she had a hard life, if you like. And how did you meet her? That's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But be careful of that because there's a lot of dodgy people. So what is it? So what, what do you want then? Well, some sense. Yeah. <laughs> if you came to stay on a on a trial, if you like, okay. One by one, Ellie was secretly filming landlords across the country as they offered her a room in exchange for sex. But she wanted to go further, to hear from the women that were in this desperate position, to understand from them how and why they were taking up these offers. We were really, really struggling to find anyone to speak about it. It's not something people advertise, so where do you look, really? And we'd sort of been going down all these different avenues, and we'd spoken to a lot of charities, and we'd been reaching out to people, and we weren't having any breakthroughs in in trying to find someone... But then someone on the team had an ingenious idea. It was potentially the exec producer actually said, you know, I think you should just start asking them if you can be put in touch with someone who stayed before. We're not having much luck with our investigation on the other side and you never know, maybe they will. I remember we we all thought it would never happen. We were like, they'll probably just think that's weird and say, yes, I'll put you in touch, but wouldn't do it. But there's no harm in asking the question, right? So, yeah, I, I met this guy And I said, I wasn't sure about it. And, you know, I I could do with speaking to someone who'd been in this situation before. And does he think that the girl who'd stayed there last would speak to me? Do you think the the girl that stayed with you, would she just tell me that, like, if I can have someone tell me it was all right? Yeah, OK. I think that might, like, put my mind at ease a bit. And then text me if she wants to have a chat. I think you're going to come. Really? Yeah, yeah. I feel it. All right, bye. The man gave Ellie his former tenant's number and she set up a meeting. But this was different. There was no perceived wrongdoing from this woman. So Ellie wanted to tell her straight away that she was a journalist, not Julia. I remember before we went to go and see Sarah, Sarah's the name that we give her in the film, we were sat in the car and I was, I was sort of speaking to my director. That was actually the meeting that I felt most scared for. Because, you know, when, when you're going to meet these landlords undercover you're there for a reason and, and you've 
you've got all this evidence and, and you have sign off and so and you know as an investigative technique you know what you're doing you know why you're there I knew why I was there and why I was going to speak to this woman but it feels very different Sarah was up for talking to Ellie even when she understood she was a journalist she was great she was really really forthcoming really open I think what I found so amazing actually about her which wasn't in the film was one of the main reasons that she wanted to meet is because she wanted to say that she had a spare room and that I could stay there rather than going to his house. They did an on-camera interview, obscuring Sarah's identity. It was just what they needed to get to the truth of what women were actually putting up with. What was your situation at the time when you replied to these ads? So at the time I was homeless, I left home a couple of days after my father had just been physically violent to me. The guy you stayed with, what did his original advert say? I'm looking for someone for a room uh, who would exchange their labour. He never mentioned anything sexual. But when I got there, the sleeping arrangements were that we would be in the same bed. Uh, Of course, I didn't feel entirely comfortable, but given my circumstances, I thought, you know... It's fine, but after a couple of days, uh, he sort of said, when are we going to be intimate? So I always told him, like, I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. It didn't stop him from trying. He still kept on trying. Would he try and touch you at all when you were in the bed? Yeah. I would just feel almost paralysed every time he tried to touch me. Mm The moment she says no, it should be the end of the story. A woman shouldn't have to fight you all night. But he didn't force himself on me. So, in a sense, I am kind of grateful that he didn't do that. While all this is going on, Ellie is also working to find out how the authorities are reacting to this worrisome practice. It turns out it's something of a legal grey area. Essentially, the Ministry of Justice had said that it is a crime, technically, and it exists within this part of the law, but there was no case law that had ended in a conviction at that point, and so there was no real prospect of a conviction as far as we could see and as far as lawyers that were looking into it could see. To test that, she starts sending out freedom of information requests to police forces across the country, asking whether they had taken any action on rent for sex crimes. Anyone who's done FOIs will know that they're incredibly hard to get answers from and you have to word things very, very specifically, very, very clearly, and you have to break it down almost sort of into the minutiae just to get the response that you were looking for. And I'm sure every journalist who sent off FOIs at some point has sent one off and you get the response of, oh, you know, it's going to take too long or we don't have access to that information. And you wait 30 days just to get nothing and it's hugely frustrating. So when you start getting in responses that are giving you the results that you are looking for, it's the most satisfying feeling. One by one, the replies came in. Of the 31 who responded, all but one said they did not hold any information relating to rent for sex investigations in the last five years. Now, Ellie has the stats from police forces. She's been working on the investigation for about two months and has numerous landlords on film, offering her undercover character a place to stay in exchange for sexual favours. And she has an interview with a woman who lived with one such landlord. 
She's also tried flagging dozens of ads to Craigslist to see if they would remove or block the users. But there's been no response there. She has everything she needs to finish the programme. There's just one big decision left. Whether or not to identify the landlord she's met. When we were deciding whether or not to anonymise the landlords, our thinking was they aren't going to get prosecuted. We don't really want to be the cause of a kind of local witch hunt. You know, these guys are, are going to be publicised in the BBC. There's not probably going to be any criminal proceedings as, as a result of it. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge amount of responsibility on us as broadcasters and on us as journalists. And so that was why we took the decision in the end, really. Despite not showing their faces in the film, Ellie still needed to put the allegations to them. And that meant showing her hand, telling these men they'd been fooled and that Julia was actually an undercover BBC journalist. I think the right to reply stage is always incredibly nerve-wracking because you've done all of this work and you know, you've know you built up all this evidence and, and you've made a film almost. And then right at the very, very last minute, you take what you found to the people that you've been investigating. And, and that's incredibly nerve-wracking to sort of reveal who you are and reveal what you've done. And you never know how people are going to respond to that. So as the first step, we sent letters to all of the landlords. Some of them responded and there was a mix of sort of real denying of any wrongdoing whatsoever. And, you know, saying that they'd they'd in the past had adult arrangements that were consensual on both parts. And then there were some who, who never got back to us. In 2018, the film was aired. One of the first episodes in the series Ellie Undercover. But after all that work, all that stress, did she dare to watch? I did watch it. I had all my friends over, actually. We all watched it together. For me, it was an incredibly sort of surreal moment. I mean, I never pursued a, a job in TV whatsoever. I never wanted to be a presenter. I always wanted to be a journalist and I sort of fell into making documentaries. It just felt like another story that I'd been working on that I just had a lot more time on and that I sort of had a camera in my face for. I'd watched the film before it went out on TX Day and seeing it for the first time was so surreal and it was all those feelings, sort of hearing your voice and seeing your face and your mannerisms was bizarre. And then also feeling incredibly proud of the story that we told. It's a really strange... I think changing mediums in that way from online or from print into making something for a documentary felt very surreal. But I'm, I'm incredibly proud of the story. And so she should be. Since the programme aired, the law has been clarified. We wanted the government to make the law clearer, to make it clear that rent for sex is a crime, and that, that is what's happened since this was all reported. It is now written into the law that to offer accommodation in exchange for sexual favours is a criminal act. That's what you want as a journalist, that's what you do it for. We're there to tell stories that we believe are of of importance to the public and, you know, expose issues that we believe need changing or, you know, need awareness around. And so when you when you get the reception that this film did, that people really are shocked by it and people actually genuinely want to see things changed. Yeah, it's incredible. I think that's what you do it for. That's all for this episode of The Tip Off. Thanks so much to Ellie. You'll find links to her stories in the show notes. That's all for this series of The Tip-Off. Thank you all so much for listening, tweeting and reviewing the show. 
It's still a totally independent production made with love and it's wonderful to know you're all there and still listening. And a huge thanks to our Patreon supporters who help keep us going. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash the tip off. I'll be taking a short break now because my latest scoop is that I've just had a baby. So they are taking up a fair bit of my time at the moment, but we'll be back later in the year with more episodes. This episode was edited by Alice Milliken, and our theme music is by Dice Muse. This series has been made possible thanks to support from the Charities Aid Foundation and the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. Take care of yourselves, stay subscribed, and we'll be back soon with more stories behind the headlines. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.